When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to AFL Nation. Gary Rowan wins it after the siren with a dead eye shot. Where are you, buddy? There he is! <laughs> he juggles the mark at the front. Ball to Springer, the magic man. He's done it again. Jake Springer, the everywhere man. He sets the chance to get through. Bonton Pelly! Simply the bot! Gives it to Gord. Torment eased and a curse lifted. Melbourne Premiers in 2021. AFL Nation. With four to play, it starts to get serious. You want to be tuning up, you want your credentials intact. Fremantle have been the young team on the rise. Winter has taken a toll. Melbourne, well, they're a matter of trust at the moment. Not the team they looked like at 10 and 0 when they first ran into Frio, so it is rather perfect that they meet again to start round 20 in Perth. It is the Dockers and the Demons on AFL Nation. Our Coats High commentary team in place tonight. Jared Waitley with you. Anthony Hudson is with me. Hello, hello. Uh, hello, Jared. Good evening, everyone. It's um, it's great to, <laughs> great to be with you on this Friday night. Just got a couple of little technical things here, Jared. Uh, but, it yeah, it is... I just can't wait for. I, I can't believe where we're at. To be honest, I cannot believe we are where we are, Jared. In the in the run to the finals that we've reached round twenty, and with so many pivotal matches coming up over the weekend, and trying to work out what's going to happen tonight. And, and I suppose overarching of all that is just where where this Melbourne team is at. It's going to be fascinating with all the backdrop of re-signings and non-re-signings going into tonight. We are in great hands uh, on the old bull, young bull front tonight, Jared Healy. Good evening. I take it on the old ball, Jarrett. <laughs> Always. <laughs> yeah, it's a beauty tonight. And uh, further to what Hutto said about um, it's just going to be interesting to see what Melbourne produce. I'm just as baffled by Fremantle. Six, seven weeks ago, I thought Fremantle were genuinely in the premiership race. Tonight, we probably find out whether that's still the case. Their midfield's been bashed the last two or three weeks. Collectively, I think they probably haven't put in as bad a month for 18 months. Um, maybe it's only three weeks. They've lost their dare off the half-back line. They can't transition the ball. They can't score. So, you know, they fell across the line with, what was it last week, six goals. Um, They won't get the job done against Melbourne if they kick six goals. So I'm hoping tonight they get their dare back because they're going to have to if um, they're to beat Melbourne, who I suspect, I mean, they're not going that bad. They're going nowhere near as well as they can. But uh, with the exception of pressure, where they're right down the bottom and one or two other elements... They're still playing pretty good football, and we know they've got another lever to or another gear to go up. Can they find that gear? That's their challenge. Nathan Jones is our young bull. Nathan, welcome. 
Thanks, Jared. Yeah, it's good to be here. I'm, uh, I'm intrigued with tonight's game. It's uh, it shapes to be a big one, I think, uh, for both sides. There's a a lot to consider and a lot to uh, a lot to prove at this point of the year. I, I agree with uh, the old Bulls sentiments really on both teams. It's uh, and I think that you know all of those uh, I guess side stories make for a, a really interesting game. So, what is your read on Melbourne? Jonesy? Oh, I don't think they're going as bad as what people think. I think the competition, you know, I guess right now my uh, opinion would be Geelong's the number one team in the comp. Um, I think just from a fundamentally across all phases of the game, they look the most solid, informed side. You know, you dive into some of the statistics around Melbourne, I think there's still a lot to like about what they're doing. Um, But... It's not at the level of last year. I think they set such an, a high bar. And, you know, obviously when you're the, the number one team, everyone's sort of trying to break you down as much as possible. And, you know, I think we're, we, we tend to look back and compare to what they produced. Um, yeah, they're, they're not as dominant as they were last year, but they're still, uh, you know, a top two side. That's where it sits for me. If they lose tonight, they might be out of the top four. Yeah, they lose sixth. tonight. That's it's. I think all of a sudden it's a reread. It's. I guess it's how they lose tonight. I mean, Fremantle just may pay out of their skins. But um, I wonder, Jonesy, if going back to where they won the premiership has any psychological impact as well. Oh, I think it would. Uh, like obviously, there'd be no fears. I think it would generate such a you know, you know, excitement, yep. a real energy amongst the team. Um, you know, and I, I, you know, from the time I was there, you treated, you know, uh, interstate games as the chance to regroup. Um, and if you were good enough and we really utilized that as a, as a team to, I guess, galvanize. And right now that's exactly what they need after, after yeah. last week's result and, uh, and probably their last probably four or five weeks of form. So, um, yeah, I think, it, I think it shapes as a great opportunity for them to, I guess uh, reset in some capacity and 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 fire on all cylinders. Like I think the best footy I've seen them play for the year was the Brisbane game. Yep. I think that's the level we're all looking for from a consistency point of view. And you know, I think if they play at that level, I, I, find, I see it hard for teams to beat them. The question is, you know, can they produce that? consistently over the next month leading into finals. And that's the point. You only have to be the best side in September, as Lee Matthews keeps reminding us, not the best side uh, in the, the first part of the year, which is the major part of the year. What I find interesting is there's two elements to this. There's how Melbourne are playing, and then there's how everybody else is playing against Melbourne. And everybody's had a good look. They've been the, you know, they've been the kingpins for a long time now. And just looking at the numbers over the, the last uh, half dozen weeks, everybody seems to be crossing the ground a lot more against Melbourne. They're the highest crossed side in the competition. And everybody knows that Melbourne like to play on a third of the ground and just keep it going up and down in a straight line, and yet they've been prevented from from doing that. So when I look at Fremantle, they laboriously cross the, the ground. So they when they're at their best, they cross the ground and they went fast. Now in the last four or five weeks, they've crossed the ground and gone slow. And really, really slow. And they've lost their mojo in the forward line. So I'll be interested to see how how much they transfer. And just to give it some, I guess, uh, a number on it. At the moment, Melbourne are being crossed against 27% of the time. The next most is Western Bulldogs at 20%. So it's a significant amount. You go down the ladder and there's people only getting crossed 15% of the time. 
So a lot of people are working at Melbourne. We've got to cross at A to probably go around Max Gorn and B to try and, you know, switch their defence, etc. And it's probably having an impact. So there's there's tactics working against Melbourne, yeah. but there's also Melbourne itself well, not playing the same uh, way. Yeah, and that's exactly that, – that's the fascinating part for me. There's that element that is that you are the defending premiers yeah. and teams have now had more than 12 months to work out how you're playing. And, and I think that was part of the Richmond charm is that people kind of knew what they were doing, but – didn't really know how to play it and didn't really work it out conclusively um, for quite a while. So that's the Michael Jordan theory. I can tell you how we're playing, yeah, but, but you've got to try and beat us. Exactly. And then there's the other, there's the psychological element of, of being the defending premiers as yeah. well. And, you know, Kingy showed some vision during the week. You know, maybe they're not quite as manic in the way they defend. So how much is how much is one and how much is the other that's having the influence? And, and that leads to the thing to me is if they can get their back to their defensive best – that the elements that made them so good last year. And their midfield is still unbelievable yeah. and maybe not quite playing at the level, but all the talent is Pretty there. Pretty close. Um, then they've just got to get their forward line to an acceptable level, which is the other thing they haven't been able to really quite do yet. The forward line will get better when their pressure gets better. Correct. Everybody, everybody thinks pressure is about defence, but pressure is also about scores. And right now they've dropped from number one last year. I think they're at 14 at the present time, which is a, it's like falling off a cliff for mm. a Premier's and if they aren't going to win, then that small forward line has got to get to work, not in just in kicking goals, Jonesy, but uh, but distru- disrupting the opposition's ball movement, getting it in. I mean, people talk about their forwards as if, you know, it's Jason Dunstall and Dermot Brereton down there. I mean, they've been pillars. They've been people who have just been targets, get the ball on the deck, a bit like Hawthorne played for a fair period of time, get it on the deck for Cyril and Puapolo. And it hasn't worked so far. Yeah, no, I think my biggest concern is the the defence of the forwards um, and you you mentioned teams wanting to switch and trying to switch and I think what what I sort of see at the minute is the balance is a little bit out and how vital those forwards are to mm. get up the ground and slow the opposition down because they're trying to set, Melbourne want to send teams down the line to keep it in a contest keep most of their players in play but then also the forwards to read the cues and and sort of squeeze back out when teams are trying to sort of fan and open the ground on them and take away those switch options. And I don't think they've got that balance right at the minute and teams are able to, you know, Melbourne sends them to one side and slows them down. Then they're easily able to sort of find one, maybe two kicks and they open the ground back up and all of a sudden they're they're back in open space and having to defend in open field, which is not the way Melbourne wants the game to look, which mm. you listen to Goody's comments after the game last week, you know, they, they just didn't get the game looking how Melbourne want the game to look for long enough. And I was there and after half time it was almost the dogs were always seemed to be in open field and being able to play quickly. Yep. Melbourne couldn't get any sort of you know, rein in on, on slowing any of their ball movement. That, so, that was almost a step in the language too, wasn't it, for Goody, to admit to that? Yeah, for sure. And that's very much, I'd heard that before, you know, that was, it's a very uh, sort of internal review kind of chat and he's been completely honest and uh, and I found that really intriguing and I think that sort of adds to tonight, you know, Freo uh, kind of in the last particularly sort of five or six weeks are notoriously slow you know, they're very much a kick-mark team, which plays into the hands of Melbourne, whereas when they beat them early in the year, I was at that game as well, they they were, they were got the ball in motion really mm. quickly, got through. And uh, and you can see what teams are trying to do against Melbourne. They want to switch and open the play up, which disrupts their grid formation and obviously forces those guys deep, Lees, uh, Levers and Mays, yep. to have to run and spread and defend the ground. 
And uh, and at the minute, more often than not, particularly in the last month, teams have been successful with it. It was the moment the season changed, wasn't it? Really, half time in that game, Fremantle yep. Melbourne last time, and I, I was changed go- for Griffin Logue too. Well, yeah, I was. Well, early in the game, it changed a bit, didn't it? When uh, when May got injured, but got concussed. But I was doing that game, and at half time, I still we were just sort of. Um, as we cross to the others hosting, just kind of like, oh, well, this is just another win to Melbourne. They've just turned it on. This yep. season's – and it couldn't have been more wrong as to what was to come. But ultimately it could still come back to Melbourne being the dominant team, but it's so open at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Let's go to Griffin Logue. That day he played well in the forward line, and I've seen him play his best footy so far this year, or Fremantle's best footy so far is when he's been in the forward line. Now, I know he's had a – couple of really big jobs, one on Jeremy Cameron as a defender, and he can play both ends of the ground. But for him to play well, they need to be, move the ball fast. He is a bloke who reads it well. So he distri- you, you think he's more than – he still looks um, – fair enough because he's only played the handful. He still looks to me that he's a makeshift forward. He's a he's a defender playing there. You think he's more than I that? I think it can be more than that. Yeah. But he, they have to play to his strengths, okay. which I think if, is their strengths. If they play slow, they're not in the premiership race. They play quick. I think they can uh, upset it. They've got to make maybe a choice where they go three tools um, or two tools, and depending on who they play against, maybe Logue is a swingman. But, gee, I love him up in that forward line distributing with his hands. And it was the little guys that day as well. I reckon they've missed Suskowski since they he's have. been out of the team as well. So that's they've had this sort of uh, horde of, of little guys, but uh, they've missed him since he's been absent. It was interesting that they left Banfields out mm. of tonight on that front with Lobb coming back mm. is one of their absolute strengths they have that they've moved away from by their own choice. Yeah. After Kane put Banfield on the list of players yeah, to go and yeah, get. Very gettable. Well, I think he's right, Kane. I think that Banfield is a really good player and Brayshaw is the sort of guy you'd play him on. Brayshaw's having a fantastic season across the half back line and Banfield has gone as a stopper onto Sinclair and various other Bailey Dale. And kick goals on them. And uh, he seems to be the first guy out, which is unusual. But um, it's a role that I'm not sure who plays next time. But they're going in slightly smaller in the forward line. And it, you know, it'll it be interesting to see how it all falls, unfolds. Were you pleased to see Angus Brayshaw re-sign? Oh, absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm super tight with Gussie almost. Uh, you know, I treat him like my little brother, to be honest. Um so I'd, I'd been I'd been chatting to him over the last probably five six weeks at different stages and uh, yeah he texted me earlier this week and said I've locked it in and uh, you know I was wrapped with wrapped for him and um, you know I think he's got all the potential to be future captain material and I think it was the right decision you know I could probably justify if he was to leave and go to Freo play with his brother and and you'd hope that Melbourne win the premiership this year but. I think ultimately in the end there's there'd be so much that he's leaving behind if he was to leave and uh and as I said you know I think his future is so bright at Melbourne um you know with his leadership qualities and you know he's standing amongst the group I think he he will have a long and illustrious career there and he's a vital cog in terms of you know obviously their success in the short term and uh, I think so, sort of sustaining their culture in the long term Sure I think it's the right decision for him. I, you know, it's a it's a no winner if uh, sorry, it's a no lose if you go and play with your brother. I can see that, and he may go. And if Fremantle don't win the flag this year, be part of being the best, the first, and uh, that's a, an historic move. And but it's a big if. Um, but I see him as uh, part and parcel of this, you know, premiership group that are trying to 
make an historic second grand final in a row and win two or win three or win four. Who knows how far this group can go. But when you've locked in Gorn and Oliver and Petrarca and, and, and Brayshaw and you've got half a dozen others out there that are, you know, absolute guns, um, I shouldn't miss Viney, but I mean, he's going to be a long-term Melbourne player. I mean, the, the, the premiership is always in contention for the foreseeable future for this group. And, and I'd be, I would have been, would have been disappointed if he had have left simply because I think he would have regretted it. Is six years okay? Do we think that's okay? I imagine six years gives the capacity to smooth yeah. money. You would you, think you, so. You give yeah. longevity rather than the, the biggest dollars that might have been available. So, but it is. It, there, there is a calculated risk in anything beyond four Particularly years, with concussion. I, I mean, concussion's the biggest issue. When I was playing, it was, oh, what about if you do your knee? But now it's really concussion. Most mm. There's very few people now not play the game because of a musculoskeletal injury. Yeah, I mean, and obviously he has had his concussion, but at least that's a number of years ago, isn't it? So fingers crossed it'll be fine. So is he destined to live his days on the half-back <laughs> Yes, that's a good question. <laughs> well, and did that come into – how much would that – should that come into your consideration perhaps? I don't think in the short term. Um, I think his role this year is is at half-back. I think that's been proven as far as, you know, where – the team's landed, guys coming in and out. He's he's been a mainstay there, and I think that's his role for the this season. Um, you know, I would assume he would have had that discussion. There's no doubt. I reckon he would. Uh, you know, he'd have the personal drive to want to get in the midfield and prove himself in that capacity. But he's such a team player, and as I mentioned, all of his you know, leadership qualities. He's you've got to weigh up. You know, both things, and it's uh, you know, you in the end you play the role that's best for the team. If that means you're going to be a part of success, and did, did you ever work out why he? Because he was third in the Brownlow that year, and then his midfield form dropped off, and obviously Melbourne's form dropped off. It was hard to work out which came first. But do you ever work out why that happened? Oh, uh, not really. I think it's um, it's probably a reflection of how poorly the team was going. Really, I don't think anyone had a, a year that um, uh, <clears throat> that probably warranted a guaranteed spot. And I think they, they looked at the strengths of the team overall and, and the, I guess the dynamic of that midfield group. And I think the perspective was that we'd go with, and I don't even think at that time Petrarca had solidified his spot in there either. You no. know, I guess Oliver was the mainstay. Christian sort of played forward mid and Angus was, you know, a little bit all over the place. We were probably trying to find a role for him. But, um, you know, I think that was a reflection of the maturity of the group. And uh, I guess as we gained more experience and guys started to really find their position and we worked out what, you know, where players' strengths fit amongst how we were going to operate as a team and as a club, you know, he found himself obviously last year in a premiership team playing on the wing. And now this year, just through necessity, uh, through injury with Christian Salem and the like, you know, he finds himself at half back, but in the end, I think you've got to look at that positively because his versatility, ultimately, he's, he's, he could potentially be an All-Australian halfback this year. He was outstanding last year in the grand final on the wing, one of our probably better players. And, you know, he, we've already seen what he's capable of as a midfielder. The irony is, A, he hated the wing and he was comparing the wing to the midfield. Now, the irony is he played so well through the finals on the wing. <laughs> But now he's playing on the half-back line, and the comparison between the half-back line and the midfield is not as great as playing in death corner, which is on the wing. So <laughs> I think uh, I think the, the position 
is a furphy in many respects because he could go to Fremantle and, you know, there's an issue there with somebody and he has to go to the half-back line anyway. I mean, you, We've seen no, that happen before. There's no guarantees yeah. in footy with your, your position. Jeremy Howe went to Collingwood yeah. as the <laughs> centre-half forward. He was only going if he was played centre-half <laughs> forward and he ends up uh, as a gun centre-half back. The other element tonight is there'll be plenty of purple eyes that are watching Luke Jackson and what uh, yep. is starting to be assumed there. And I wonder what that brings out of Sean Darcy, who ain't no mug. No, he's not. But Sean Darcy, I mean, Sean Darcy right now would be an All-Australian ruck contention. Would have to be. Was last year, won the best and fairest, and he's having another brilliant year in all facets of ruck work. And Luke Jackson, I'm not sure he's going over there to be second ruck. He's going over there to be, sorry, he's not going over there to be necessarily first ruck. He's going over there probably to be second ruck and uh, play forward. Lloyd Meek is the interesting one. I'm surprised they haven't played Lloyd Meek more. If I'm uh, out there looking for ruck, I'm chasing Lloyd Meek because Lloyd Meek is gettable if um, if uh, young Jackson goes back to Fremantle. Um, but, gee, it's going to be interesting just to see them go head-to-head and I reckon a few people will test him and uh, he'll want to know, he'll, he'll want to put on a show. He's, he's back there and whether or not he stays at Melbourne is still, I think, very much in dispute. I think people have him gone. I don't think that's uh, the case. I might be wrong. He might be gone, but... Um, Could there, was there enough dough for him now, though, do you think? Well, he might get a 10-year contract, Otto, and you, <laughs> can, just, uh, you, you can just average yeah, it out over a period over. of time. <laughs> I think uh, I'm intrigued by it for sure. I said uh, last week on, on this show in the pregame that I don't necessarily, from my personal perspective, think it's necessarily the right decision. Um, you know, I, I look at it both from a pre, uh, Fremantle sort of list perspective... And I look at it from, you know, his opportunity at Melbourne and where he's at in his career and um, what he could potentially mm. grow into and his age and experience and all those kind of things. Uh, you know, I guess m- me being a passionate Melbourne man, I'd love to just see him stay there. And uh, But, you know, that aside. West Coast a better fit in terms of position, isn't it? But not so much where they are in terms of the ladder. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think the interesting one for mine is if he's going to Frio to play more as a forward I don't know. Like his best footy has been played when he's on the ball. Yeah, when he's a ruckman and he plays that ruck sort of mid role. Yeah, yeah. And they've got Darcy already as the number one ruck, so he essentially goes over there and plays the same role he's playing at Melbourne right now, mm. with a whole heap more pressure of a huge contract and uh, this great amount of expectation at what twenty twenty one years old. And we're seeing what the game has done to guys with that sort of pressure. And I, I don't know, I just would hate to see him go over there and not live up to his potential. Whereas I feel at Melbourne, with all the opportunities got to develop and continue to develop and play in finals and prem, potential premierships. How have you rated his year? Jacko? Yeah. Up and down. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I sort of look at that number and think, man, that's a, that's a lot. whether or not that's accurate. Uh, so we're talking around a million bucks. Is that what the market is saying? I think it's interesting given Grundy is in the news as well. Seven by $1 million. Salary caps with sides on the up, um, they're hard if you've got a bloke earning a million dollars. And if he's not yet in your best three, four or five players, they've already got five on one plus. Um, I mean, Brayshaw's going to be... Demanding he, big he, he may be a Brownlow medalist at the end of this season. Uh, they've got two or three other youngsters coming through. They've got they've got a whole heap of young players that are going to want more money. And if you once you've got X amount of blokes on a million dollars, it's tough for salary cap. 
yeah, that's my point from a Frio perspective as well. Like, it, I totally agree with you. He, wa- he want to be your best player on a million dollars. Well, exactly. And at twenty-one, he's played. He's play, He's been able to essentially be shielded in some mm. respects underneath the stature of an elite midfield group, and obviously Max, the best ruckman of the last however many years, and play this sort of you know ruck, second ruck hybrid forward midfield role when he's just been able to grow and develop. You go over there, two-team town, one of the most highly, uh, you know, I guess the exposed trades with, yep. you know, a huge amount of expectation and obviously being paid a lot of money. It's a, it's a whole different kettle of fish. So I want to revisit this right at the end of the night, but just tell me how everyone's feeling. How decisive will tonight be in your opinion of these two teams in the premiership? Race, I'm probably fairly decisive from a Frio perspective. I, I sort of think I know where Melbourne are at because we've seen Melbourne's best. I'm assuming we're going to see it again at some stage. Whether or not they've put enough mental energy in to sustain them through a tight first final and then probably second final and then ultimately third final, only time will tell. I mean, so many times you see sides get back on track and yet the footy gods get them down the track because they just haven't invested enough through the season. But they are, talent-wise, you know, they are a significantly talented side that may not even have to be at their absolute best to get the job done, depending on who they're playing against. For Fremantle, though, they're in a bigger hole than Melbourne. They, they, they're miles off their best and have been for a few weeks, even though they probably should have won last week. People said Richmond were unlucky. Yes, they were. But in the first 15 minutes of that last quarter, they dominated the forward 50s. They should have had a two or three goal spread on the Tigers, and yet they just couldn't get the ball through the goal. So I think uh, from a – I mean, Fremantle can't win it if they're, in my view, if they're outside of the top four. Um, so it's pretty big for them. All right. That sets us up for what's to come on Friday night. Our Coats Hire commentary team, Coats, we're more than hire, we're equipped for anything. All the topics of the week are Where's Clark going, Jared? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and we'll touch base with both the Dockers and the Demons in the lead-up to the opening siren. This is the AFL Nation pregame show for Beaumont Tiles, $25,000 advertising giveaway. Icanwin.com.au. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. Friday night footy at the commencement of round 20. It is Fremantle and Melbourne in the West tonight. AFL Nation, we're in the Coates Hire commentary box. Coates, we're more than higher. We're equipped for anything. We'll be inside the Dockers camp shortly. Jared Whaley, Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy and Nathan Jones with you. So three prime games across Friday night, Saturday night and then the middle of Sunday when the Lions come to the MCG with a diabolical record at the ground and it feels like their premiership credentials go on the table against Richmond. Not that Chris Fagan wants any part of that. We're not playing the MCG. We're playing Richmond. And the reason why we haven't won at the MCG the last few years is because when we've played there, we haven't played well enough against the team we're playing against. 
Um, and it's as simple as that. That's how how we see it. And I don't know that you can look at it any other way. I just find all this stuff, like, I'm, I understand it's about setting up the story. So the story on Monday will be, if the Lions win, you can win the flag because you won at the MCG. And if we lose, you can't win the flag because you can't win at the MCG. That's how to roll, and we all understand that. And we fully embrace the fact that we haven't won at the MCG, and we're trying like hell to win there on the weekend, and that's our goal. But if we don't, it won't stop us from trying to achieve the ultimate this year. It's as simple as that. Good feisty stuff. Yeah, it's the good stuff. Coach. Spoke to folks during the week. Uh, I think it's getting under his goat yeah. or getting up his goat. But one of the things that uh, records sort of um, can mislead you in is that when you go to the MCG in recent times, they'd be playing Melbourne and Richmond. And they're not, you know, it's not embarrassing to lose to those two sides. It doesn't mean you can't win at the MCG. You, you just may not be able to beat Richmond or Melbourne or in premiership contention. So it's, uh, I don't see the geography. I've never rated the, the geographical arguments as highly as some. Um, I don't think that's a big issue, the ground. But uh, who they're playing is often the issue. But they're going to be playing one of those top teams to win a flag, don't yeah. they? They have to. So. But is it the ground that's beating them, as Fogg said, or is it just they're, they're incapable of beating the others at their best? Well, yeah, well, that's a good question, and that's but that's that's part of the question, isn't it? That, that, they're tied together. Is If they don't beat Richmond on Sunday, they're not going to be good enough to win the flag. Yeah, but I don't think it's the MCG. They had the opportunity to beat them at Brisbane, which is exactly the same size as the SCG, and the Tigers, they couldn't get the Tigers done, job done at uh, up in, at the Gabba. So I'm not as big a fan, as I said, on the geography of it. It's the sides that they're playing is more important to me. Where are you here, Nathan? I totally agree with you, Jared. I don't think the ground has anything to do with it. Um, I, I totally think it's just the sides that they've played. Like every time they come to Melbourne, the teams they're playing at the G, are, yeah, historically in the in the short term, uh, have been some of the better teams in the competition. They but just they've barely lost a game at home in that period of time. Mm. So and I know every every team's better on their home ground, but that's. Size of the ground, I think. You picked out the Richmond game. They've beaten almost every other team. Okay, I'll give you Chad Warner. A quote from Chad Warner two weeks ago. The Chad. The Chad, when they beat Fremantle at Optus Stadium. And Chad came on in the interview on Fox Footy and said, well, we knew that if we widen the ground on the big expanses of Optus Stadium, uh, we would be able to stretch them, etc. And I thought to myself, that's unusual. And I went to the stats hutto. And Optus Stadium is six metres skinnier than the SCG. And I hear all this stuff about the SCG, how it's a postage stamp. It is one metre skinnier than the, the Wool and Gabba, and it's one metre longer than the, the, the uh, GABBA ground. It's the, the difference between the MCG and the SCG when I was playing was vast. Now it's five metres at either end, and it's three metres skinnier. So it's bugger all difference. Yeah. I think we spend too much time on the geography of ground. But it's not just that. Is Maybe it? Geelong's a point yeah, Geelong case. Yeah, Geelong still is because it's so skinny. Yeah, it's not just the dimensions of the ground though. Is that it? it's coming to the MCG and performing on the the home in, of football in these big games. So this yeah. is a team that's lost five out of six finals while living yeah. in the top four. And a lot of them were at the Gabba. Yes, they they blew the advantages but that's, that's, of home. But that's my point. I think no, it's so, more uh, the team. Yeah, so I, I sort of half. If you put the geography aside, yeah. If they don't beat Richmond yep. in Melbourne on Sunday, for me, they're not winning the flag. And that, I wouldn't disagree with it. No, I think that's right. I, I mean, I don't think they've, I know they're on top of the ladder a month ago, but they've got an issue with all their tools. One's had an operation and not quite back to his best. 
the other one could have had an operation, maybe going for it, and Joe Danaher not quite back to his best, kicked a few on the weekend, which was positive. And McStay may or may not be going. So they've got some issues as to whether or not they're actually a premiership contender, and that's what we're probably going to find out on the weekend. Yeah, is their midfield good enough? It's not as there? quick as others, yeah. and that is probably – that's a problem on every ground. But they've been able to play a slower brand of footy than most, and it's got them, you know, very close. So, I mean, folks has got his challenges. It's it's now it's now there's is there opportunity, and uh, you want you might want to keep on rolling over because the the, same, the side won't be the same next year. No, they're going to have access to two good young players, aren't they? They look well? really good too. Yeah, they do. But oh, I haven't lost. I I have been very test, tested, and I'm not saying they're up the top, but I still think they're because they'll they'll play that. Whether you think it matters or not, if they can finish high enough, they'll they'll play their finals at home potentially, and can just come to the ground and, and win on the day. But um, yeah, who knows? AFL Nation, when we take your calls across the weekend, it will be on the Southern Phone open line. Stay in touch with Southern Phone mobile plan. So to the phones we go now. Matthew Boyd is in the coaching staff at the Dockers. Matty, great to have you on AFL Nation. Uh, thanks for having me, gents. What what sort? Of, how's the ground? How much rain have you had during the week in Perth? Yeah, we've had a, a significant amount of rain, um, and it certainly bucketed down last night at about about uh, four o'clock in the morning. It actually uh, woke me up, so it was, a, it was pretty it was pretty heavy rain to wake me up. It's um, yeah, it's been it's been constant, but uh, it's been some some of some clear skies today, so uh, it's looking a bit threatening at the moment. But look, the ground's the ground's fine, so what, no dramas. What are the instructions on footwear? <laughs> Get your screw ins, lads. Get your screw ins. No, we, uh, yeah, we obviously we got to, we got to have a training session here um, during the week. So the lads got a feel for for what sort of footwear they should be wearing and um, yeah, what's appropriate for for them in their role. So yeah, hopefully uh, they've they've learned from that and and can wear the appropriate footwear. Woody, have you seen the form of your boys over the last five six weeks? Yeah, look. Uh, I think like most teams, um, we're, we're trying to find our best and, um, and there's been some really good patches of, of our game that have, um, you know, it's been positive to, to watch. But I think um, on, the, on the most part, it's just been a little bit inconsistent. You know, we've played two, two and a half quarters of good footy per game and, and then we've had lapses in concentration or, or lapses in our method for, for other parts of the game. So like a lot of teams, I mean, I don't think there's any... Any teams who are at their absolute best, maybe Geelong are at, at their best at the moment. Um, but we're, just, we're certainly trying to find what our best, most consistent form is like, and hopefully tonight's another step in the right direction in that in that journey. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, and one one other question I had was just around teams switching against the demons. We've seen some success with you know quicker ball movement over over recent weeks against them. Yet when I look at the some of the stats. For you guys, it's quite slow and stagnant with your movement. Do you, do you think you'll make an adjustment with that tonight, or? Oh, look, yeah. Obviously, a fair bit's been made of Melbourne's defence and their ability to take intercept marks, and you know some really key key players in their back half who who are able to deny opposition ball movement. So you really want to you really want to have balance in your ball movement. That's what we're trying to find week on week on week is balance, and and sometimes that means you go fast, and sometimes it means you just You've got to go a little bit slower to um, to find where the advantage in your in your ball movement is going to be. So tonight we're really hoping for a, a, 
yeah, as I said, that balance and, and um, if we can if we can find that advantage and and use it and it's on the switch, then we'll take it. Uh, I suppose that's just that's all we can do. Now, Matthew, as an unabashed uh, Fremantle fan, when you go fast, can I cut to the chase? Are we going to see the boring, slow Frio, or are we going to see the exciting, fast Frio more often? And I understand balance, but uh, you guys are such a better side when you're going quick. Yeah, well, we've got some speed. We certainly have some speed, and, and particularly, you know, on the perimeter, we've got some guys who can who can really break hard and, and find some open space. So the, the goal is to always try and find those those players, it's just if, if teams are able to defend defend you well, you, you can't actually access them. So, um, look, we, we'd love to we'd love to go a bit faster. The, the issue with going faster is obviously you've, you've got to defend really fast as well. So mm. come up behind your ball movement, and make sure you you're in good positions to, to be able to defend if if you do have a turnover because it doesn't always fast ball movement doesn't always pan out how you want it to pan out. So as I said, it's it's important to get the balance so we can actually defend behind it as well. One of the as a, as a defensive coach, as a defensive yeah, coach, no, you want the handbrake on. Understand? <laughs> make sure everybody's slotted behind. Brody Sarong, Mundy Brayshaw, they're a fantastic quartet, young and old, and yet they seem to have lost their their absolute way over the last few weeks. I know you nearly won yes last week against the Tigers, but um, the week before against the Saints, really. I don't think they've played a worse game collectively, and that happens. But is there a reason why all of a sudden your midfield has lost its dominance? Well, look, I don't think there's any one particular reason. And sometimes you just have a bad day. And as you said, they've been fantastic for us throughout the throughout the course of the year. And it's going to be a, a huge challenge tonight against one of the one of, if not the premier midfield in the in the competition. I, I feel like our our lads have certainly been building towards towards that sort of. Um, Mantle, I guess, but yep. look, I, I don't. There's not one particular um, reason why uh, we would have had a bit of a, a quite a quite a couple of weeks. I think, as as I said a little bit earlier, everyone's everyone's trying to find their best, um, and individuals are a part of that as well. So you know, they they've been working with great synergy and chemistry in that, uh, in along with um, Sean Darcy in there. So. Um, they're working really hard to try and find their best form. As a defensive coach, did you lose the battle on Griffin Logue again? Is he playing in the forward line? <laughs> or have you got him back where you want him? Well, I can't give away too many trade secrets. Uh, there, you'll have to find out when um, oh, come when on, Matthew. find out. Come on, Matthew. <laughs> you can tell us. Oh, you won't tell anyone? No. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, really, what, what I will say about Griff um, is he's been... Fantastic. He had, he had a, a couple of, um, I guess, down weeks earlier in the season, and he uh, he worked really hard on his game. And he, now he's he's one of our more valuable players in that he can go either end of the field. So, you know, they've got they've got some pretty important intercepting defenders in their in their back half. So we're going to need a contest in our front half. So there might be might be a hint in that. <laughs> very good. Very. Good. You'd be happy with your group: Cox, Ryan, and Pierce, Young, and Chapman. They looked terrific last week, Clark and Walker. As what's the the progress of the of the group under your tutelage at the moment? Oh, look, um, they're they're a talented group of players, really. Uh, and not only are they talented, they 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 really do want to um, want to play for each other within our within our you know little sub sub group within the the team. You know, it's, the backline groups of, of all footy clubs are a little bit different uh, and strange. 
And what they do need is uh, unbelievable connection and, and chemistry and a real care and fight for each other, which is which is what we've got within our within our backline group. So um, look, they've they've all progressed in their in their footy careers uh, over the last couple of years, and that's just what happens. The natural progression of AFL players who want to get better. Um, it's not really under my tutelage. It's it's their own hard work and and what they've been able to invest in their game. Bailey Banfield is a player I think has got uh, a lot of admirers around the town. He's done a lot of great jobs on attacking half-backs and yet he finds himself out of the side. Is that just structure or is it uh, a form-related issue? Oh, it's, a bit around, it's a bit around structure, um, really. When you look at look at our team, we've, we've got some, some bigger and medium-sized players in the, in the team and we just needed to inject a bit more speed into the, into the game. So... Um, you know, it's more around the structure and the, the balance of the team rather than, than anything uh, form-related for banners. Um, there's always things that everyone can work on and, and make sure that they're undeniable in their, in their selection. So um, he knows that you know, there's always things in his game that he can get better at, but it's more around our structure and, um, and how we made up tonight. And you'll be taking a good look at uh, young Jackson tonight? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think everyone takes a good look at, yeah. at Jackson. He's a he's a phenomenal player, and I think he's at the, just at the beginning of of what he's actually capable of. So um, you know, it's exciting for him as an individual, and uh, we're going to have to be pretty wary of of the the tricks and the strengths that he brings to the table tonight. That's for sure. Matty, good to have you with us. Good luck for tonight. Good on you guys. Have a good call. Bye. Matthew Boyd, defensive coach at Fremantle. We will uh, be with the Demons shortly, and we're broadening out our conversation as we go. This is Toyota Good for Footy Rounds. Toyota, that's good for footy. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in-store now. AFL Nation, tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel-efficient diesel all-wheel drive models are now in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. The most emotive debate this week. Saw Lee Matthews step in with you, Jared Healy. The crackdown on high contacts when it's done to the fabric of the game as the ball players tried to fight back against the posse running the tackle brigade. Yes, and uh, the posse's uh, led by Gil McLaughlin, which makes it difficult uh, under his tutelage. Pushing the back has become prevalent. Prior opportunity has become almost a minister zero. And uh, all of a sudden now the uh, the tackler has got uh, a free reign to go uh, swinging his arms around. And that's not to say there's not a small issue with uh, dropping the knees, but it, I think you've got to see it in context. I don't see it as a big issue. I think the issue could have been solved by demanding that the tackler go lower, as has been the case forevermore. Uh, I think Lindsay Thomas, when he was under fire for the same thing, I think Brad Scott was uh, quoted as saying, well, the tackler's just got to go lower. And I think that given that forevermore the rules have protected the ball player, then to me that should have been the first point and port of call for the umpire's department and the football department. And and I think it would have been great to hear from the football department this week. I think such a big issue... To send out some nonsensical explanation, which clouded it and made them look silly, even sillier in my view, I thought was poor handling of this issue. It is an emotive issue. It needs clarity, and uh, that you know didn't help the clarity of it at all. And I think it put Matt Stevick in a really difficult yep. position. Matt Stevick is 
he's an icon of umpiring. He's a great asset of the game. And let's not let's not put Matt Stevick in a corner when he's got no right to be in that corner. He paid the decision as was instructed, and if the rules are the wrong rules, well, then that's not his problem. But don't come out and say it was the wrong decision when, in fact, it, he was already being told, I suspect, that it was the right decision. It, it brought to fruition precisely what you'd said, Nathan, in this slot last Friday <laughs> night. It was sort of the iconic moment for it. Oh, I couldn't believe it. Um, Were you on the ground? Yeah. yeah I yeah. was dumbfounded. Uh, because it was it was exactly what I thought would happen, and I felt like it just gave a license, particularly for for Jack Ginnivan. Almost he'd been victimised to mm. a certain degree and targeted. And clearly, you watch the the replay in slow motion, and Redman went after him. There's no doubt about it. Um, and the fact that it wasn't paid, I just I felt like that was the absolute sort of. Uh, issue that I thought would mm. come out of it. Um, and I, I couldn't agree with yours and Lee's sentiments more, Jared. I think we're, I mentioned last week, Jared, on the show, I feel like the tackler needs, there needs to be more onus on them to, to for their technique to be better and improve. Like, what's the difference between testing the tackle the way in which Joel Selwood is doing it and Jack Ginnivan is doing it and shimming your hips or fending off or any of these techniques to beat the tackler and it's a, uh, you know. Isn't it different though? Isn't it a different tactic when you, without individualising Ginevan, when the players do what they do, when they lean into the tackle and those other things, isn't that different? Yeah, of course it is, but they're just using the rules to their advantage and they're playing the ball and, um, you know, I think they're testing the legitimacy and the quality of the uh, opponent tackling them and I think, that's within the rules, uh, you know, and the tackler should be targeting hips and arms rather than hitting shoulders. And uh, I think the guys that are good at it, as as I mentioned last week, it's a genuine skill. And when when you can sense they've gone high, they just manipulate so it, so the situation. You're in, the, in the camp that it's a skill to draw a free kick. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's also a skill to tackle correctly. No, it is. It is. And, and I thought they, I thought they umpired the weekend really well, apart from. That decision and yeah. maybe one other. So I mean, you go let's back to the, lose sight of, of that. Go like, back to Dan Richardson's explanation and the three yeah, examples he gave. Yeah, and I agree. The AFL have not handled it. It was abysmal yeah. because two of them came in at shoulder high, yep. and whilst probably it's a slight exaggeration to say they were swinging arms, they certainly weren't controlled tackles. They were borderline swinging arms coming in at deltoid level, which gives you no room for error whatsoever. Why should the bloke stand up tall to allow him to be tackled? Why isn't he allowed to duck down a little bit to try and evade the tackle? It's against everything you're taught as a junior when you're picking the footy up, stay low. Stay low, get out of there. So you're happy for players to duck then? Is that is that fine? Oh, I don't... Isn't that the same? Th- it's a different action, but isn't it essentially the same thing? Uh, well, I, I just sense they're staying low and as soon as they're feeling any sort of inkling of high t- contact, they're manipulating that to receive a free. We're being tackled. This is the pre-game show <laughs> for Beaumont Tiles supporting small to medium builders. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. 
Round 20 of the AFL season begins tonight in the West. Fremantle and Melbourne to do battle. This is one of the key swing games in the remainder of the season. So there'll be plenty of conclusions drawn from it, I'm sure. We'll be inside the Melbourne camp in 10 minutes' time. Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy and Nathan Jones with you in the pre-match. In the last few days, the real race for Alastair Clarkson has begun. He's started to take meetings. There's two clubs involved. I suspect there's still a few clubs watching on. How have you read the initial forays, Jared? I I just I'm excited that Clarko's getting back, hopefully getting back in. There's no guarantee he will coach next year, but I think that's the more likely outcome. And I'm excited for that. I think Clarko adds uh, another level of excitement to a club down the bottom of the ladder because it gives them great hope. I think North Melbourne need a Clarko, that'd be fantastic. They need a you know, I think they need a, a new team and when you got Clarko at the helm, it, um, it gives everybody hope and gives them uh, great trust and people sign up knowing it's going to take a couple of years even if the great man is coaching them. The Giants are an interesting group. I think they've got so much talent up there still, even if they lose a couple of players. It would be exciting if Clarko went up there for the game as well as for the Giants players. And who knows what happens at Port Adelaide. I mean, there's so much uh, noise over there, whether or not it's just noise or got any foundation, I doubt it. I, mean, I think Ken Hinckley's is uh, underrated by even Port Adelaide fans. I know there was a uh, bit of vandalism about Sack Ken uh, on their home banner yesterday. And even, uh, you know, I think Ken Hinckley would be a great option wherever he goes. He'll probably stay, but... You know, if you if you land with Ken Hinckley, you've you've landed a darn good coach. He'd be a great option for either the Giants or the Kangaroos if he yep. if he wanted to move on, or if Port wanted him to move on, wouldn't they? I could see him easily yep. fitting into both categories. Yeah, I agree clubs. with that. I agree with that. How? What are you thinking, Nathan? Watching it unfold. <clears throat> um, I just go back to my experience at Melbourne. I think his fit, from my eyes, is is probably the ruse, really. Um, and I think they need someone of his caliber, and uh, you know, I guess his reputation and respect amongst the footy community to ultimately he's going to have his fingerprints all over the direction and the culture and the list management and all of those kind of things but they're going to need some time to pull that together and uh yeah I guess behind his reputation they somewhat can shield the 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 I guess the heartache that may still come as the, uh, there's teething issues and uh, and you know they rebuild I don't know what the draws the draft is like uh, maybe there's another Hodge Lewis and uh, Buddy Franklin sitting there, but Clarko took over Hawthorne under similar situation. He, he, he had to, um, you know, say goodbye to a couple of really good players. But I mean, these things are going to be built from the draft. They've got some serious draft talent there already. A lot of it's still unexposed. Um, so, I, I, my gut feeling is Clarko will stay in Melbourne. That's my gut feel. Yeah, that, not... that has to be a, a strong factor in favour yeah. of North Melbourne, doesn't it? But whether or not he's uh, that. Is ultimately the decision. I'm not sure. What, what's your read on North? Hutto? I think I think North think they're a decent chance, um, but I don't think they know. Clearly, they don't know yet. But um, yeah, I mean, what Jared you were saying to us, and then you said part of it on air about uh, Clarko. Ultimately, when it, when it's a job there and you're a footy person and you've been there before, it is expressed that he would do a, a rebuilding job, mm. surely staying at home and knowing the difference he can make to a club, even if you take the passion out of it, the fact that he played there, that has to be a lure. Now, does he wait to think about Tassie? Does he see whether Essendon or another job potentially comes up next year? I guess all of, they're all the things he has to weigh up. But when the, when it's actually – it's now August. 
the time that he said he'd make a decision. You've got people coming for you. They're presenting this. You're presenting that. You'll think you've had that year to st- you know. Does he just get carried away and say, "Yep, I'm going to do it"? Uh, Essendon's the interesting one. I think I don't think there's any way they'd move on Ben Rutten. But if they had a poor year next year, then uh, mm. that probably opens up. And that you know, Clarko would be reading that. And does he sit there and wait for another twelve months for for other clubs to turn up? Maybe a big club. In Melbourne, maybe the lure of a big, another big club would uh, would would interest him. What do you think, uh, in Jared yourself? Uh, if I was having a guess, I'd say he'll take neither of these two, yep. and and see what develops from there. I don't. I'm not quite sure. I see him as a frontiersman, like mm. he's not the ringmaster that Kevin Sheedy yep. was to the Giants. And I think there's there's a whole lot to that Giants job, which is not just coach the team, build the team, succeed with the team. Yeah, well, they never. he never had to do that at, at Hawthorne. He never had a great – he's been more like that since he's left coaching. Yes, he's, been yeah. a, he's been a bit of a showman. So which he, he would he would have that potential to do that in, in New South Wales if he wanted if to. If he wanted to, yes. Um, I have no doubt that he could do it. I'm just not quite sure whether that's part of his makeup or not. There's lots of questions around the Giants for me, just and not just – I mean, I can't quite work out where their list is at. I mean, there's still – you could, and obviously some players are going to leave, and so we don't know how many and who that's going to be, and that makes a difference in the assessment. There's still plenty of young talent that we've barely seen yet, so you can certainly mount an argument that it's who's a got list. more talent, Giants or Kangas? I think I think the Giants have. Mm. Yeah, I do think the Giants have. But there's also the whole element of where the club's at. You know, like COVID's hit it hard, and they're getting they need to be re they need to be re. Imagined, if you like, yeah. they need to. So should the AFL relaunch? If, the, if Gill or whoever the next CEO came in, where do they want Clarko to coach? Ah, oh. not not. I'm not saying it yeah. matters, but yeah. just strategically, is he? Yeah, I'm not sure Clarko solves those issues mm. at the Giants. So I think if if you're the new CEO coming in, you get you, so what's the conversation around private ownership with the Giants? You need a point of difference. Well, they're talking about private ownership yeah. up there, and I'm not sure it's the right way to go, and I'm not sure it's the wrong way to go. All I know is, I think even under a fair assessment, they've done okay with membership, but no one's turning up to their games. They're making a number up in many ways, somewhere between zero and ten. And COVID, as you rightly pointed out, has hit them hard. I personally think they need to rethink the whole thing. I'm strong on them calling the derby that we're seeing on the weekend, which is the most boring name of all. There's already a derby. It should be the Battle of the Bridge. That's not their problem. It's a Sydney Swans problem. And I've had that discussion with the powers that be. I think I'm one out on this particular <laughs> one from their perspective. But if you're talking in neutral and say, I want to go to the Sydney Derby, he's going to say, is that soccer, rugby, is yeah. it AFL oh, footy? Yeah. If you said, I want to go to the Battle of the Bridge. <laughs> oh, yeah, fantastic. Where's that on? Let me, uh, let me get along there. I think they should also play... Three big clubs in Melbourne. Sorry, they should play three big Melbourne clubs at the SCG. Take the game to the heart of the city where Collingwood fans will go much more easily and Richmond fans will go much more easily and so will the Bombers or Carlton or whoever. So you're giving up on the Western element. No, I'm not giving up on it at all. At all. Right. And I think that's... Sounds like you are. No, I'm not at all. You consider Geelong. They play three games at the MCG, do they not? Yeah, they do. Well, they, it's no they, different. Well, they'd rather play. They'd rather play most of them at home. Well, that's changed. But they also under Colin Carter, they moved three. They wanted three games here to build their membership base and to to acknowledge that there's a lot of people in Melbourne that barrack for Geelong and give them an easy opportunity to go to the game. Richmond, they went from Punt Road to the MCG. St Kilda went from. That was 1967. I understand that, like, but Essendon play the big games yeah. at 
the MCG. It's no but different. But they already lose. They lose the show. This is part of their problem. They lose the showgrounds for five or six weeks at the start okay, of the year. Okay, we'll play the big they games then. Yeah, well, maybe. You're right. And but I know Cam- they're playing Canberra's in Canberra. Working, Canberra's the positive. Canberra's actually working for yeah, them, Canberra's which is really good. intriguing but in itself. I don't they, think they, you're they, shifting to Canberra, but I think you're crazy not to use the SCG. It's the heart of the city. Yep. It's... I don't think it takes away from the West. They're a, they're a Western-based club, but no different to North Melbourne, or sorry, uh, Essendon, who play big games at the big stadia. And I think it just reimagines them and gives them an opportunity. Do it for two games. See if it works. Yep. And if it doesn't work, we'll fail quickly and go back to the West. But right now... What are we turning our back on? Three thousand, four thousand yeah. people. There's nothing to be lost in this. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't actually saying you were wrong at all. And every battle just... of the bridge should be played at the SCG. They had a they had a cracking final out at the out at yeah, the stadium. They've didn't had they? good finals, haven't they? Yeah. Yes. Uh, so I can see Adam Muse in that job in a heartbeat. I think they're half a chance to win, by the way, against Sydney tomorrow. The Giants. But well, anyway. they, they might. F- they've been drifting with no purpose. You can't spend this long in caretaker mode. So there's a bit of a cautionary tale, I think, mm. in bringing a coach into the last season of his contract when you're not going to be successful by your own planning. So there's a lot that's been wrong with their season. And there's four or five players that are already thinking about where they are next year. So and where they should be because Mark there's McRae. nothing. Yes, there's nothing to play for at the moment, and there hasn't been since. Round 10 or 11. Um, so Jesse Hogan's the big positive there. And uh, at centre-half back... Um, Himmelberg yeah. going back. Say again? Himmelberg. Himmelberg going back. But also the centre-half back whose uh, name escapes me. He's having a fantastic year. Hey, Sam, oh, Taylor. Sam, Sam Taylor. Sam Taylor. Yeah, you know, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. So they've got some really good pillars. They need to fi- go and find a, an A-grade ruckman. That's why... You know, go and get Lloyd Meek would be fantastic, or um, getting Brody Grundy would be fantastic. They've still got enough midfielders. They need another key forward though, as well, don't they? Well, they probably do. Yeah, not that easy though. It's their whole the circular nature of what's happened with their list has mm. been problematic. Hasn't yeah, it Leo through. Cameron spoke about it last week on Crunch Time. He said it's the three yearly yeah, salary rotation. gap rotation, and, and, and Tarant- it's a killer. Yeah, Taranto's a good. They were happy enough to move Shield on because they had Taranto or played to that equivalent, and then three years later, the same thing's happening with Taranto. And once again, this comes back to Colin, and I know it's not a very popular topic down here, but I mean, their, their list is compromised because they've overpaid people to keep them there. Totally. And yep. and that just kills you. And the, the Suns will have the same problem eventually too, unless they get their salary cap uh, in control. Hmm. I can see Adam Uze in that job in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think he's a, he'd be a terrific fit from, uh, you know, I, I know how desperate Melbourne were to get get him along and the difference he made in 12 months, uh, you know, he spent a lot of time with our midfield group, you know, teaching us really fundamental sort of um, an understanding of running patterns. There was a lot of criticism. We we're very good as a contest team and he really developed our group to understand the game and, uh, you know, the state of the game and where to run and these kind of things. He's got such a great footy mind and he had a huge impact also on us offensively, finding a really good system that played to our strengths and, I think I guess the result speaks for itself. You know, he played a huge hand in uh, developing the the system and foundations that led to us winning a flag. And I think he's he'd be an unreal candidate, and he's a great person with people. And um, yeah, I, uh, I'm a big advocate. It's a fairly strong endorsement. Yeah, it is. It is. I think if it's not Clarkson, I reckon the next coach will come with. Let's take a couple of years to actually put this list back together to mm. work out what's missing and to the biggest contracts will run their course over a couple of years. Let's not do that again. Um, 
So I think there'll be a period of grace for a new coach. Yep. That if Clarkson goes in, they'll try to jam it all together as quickly as they can. But I think if Uze comes in, the club will take a deep breath and go, okay, let's let's just take a couple of years here to build this for the next run at it rather than expect it to happen straight away. Yeah, I think you're probably right. But uh, I think they've got enough talent on that list to make uh, a serious improvement next year. Whether that makes the eight or not is another matter. But uh, I think they'd improve dramatically. Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel-efficient diesel. All-wheel drive models are in stock now, ready to drive away tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. This is Toyota. Good for footy round. Toyota, that's good for footy. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in-store now. AFL Nation, our pregame show for Beaumont Tiles, supporting small to medium builders. Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Nathan Jones, Jared Healy with you. Over in the West, the GM of footy at the Demons is Alan Richardson. Richo, welcome. Jared, good to be here. How big a night is it in this Premiership defence? Uh, yeah, it's a significant night. It's a it's against another finalist, potential finalist, I should say, that's playing really good footy. That they're number one defence, we're number two. They're doing a lot right. Uh, probably like us, their their last uh, six or seven weeks haven't been, hasn't been as good as the start of their season. And so, yeah, it'd be really important going for both clubs. The numbers tell us that the pressures drop right off, Richo. How do you address that? Uh, well, it's, it's first of all why, and there's a bit of both in that. There's um, you know when the opposition do find the mark off their off their rebound, they're hanging onto the footy a bit. They're taking that away from us, uh, and there's a bit of there's a little bit of us in that as well. You know, there's some things that we think we can get we can get better at in terms of you know predictability to so that those that put on the pressure know exactly where it's going. So we, yeah, we, we reckon um, we reckon we can certainly get better in that space. There's no doubt about it. So how much do you? put down to a lack of intensity and I'm not saying it's zero and I'm not saying it's a hundred but most people watching Melbourne don't think you're operating at the same manic level as you were um, excuse the silence boys um, oh, look, I reckon there's been of our of our five losses Jared, with the exception of the one down at, uh, down at Geelong we've been in pretty good positions you know, you know, really reasonably late in the game too. You know, up to twenty-five, sometimes thirty points in front, and we definitely think at that stage that we haven't been as ruthless as we need to be. Mm. We haven't been as consistent in terms of uh, you know hunting and going after the opposition. Possibly come become a little bit complacent. So that's been that's been a conversation we've had early in the week leading into this game, and we're looking forward to a really assertive, aggressive response. There has been some suggestion there was a big powwow. How much of that is fact or fiction this week? Um, well, there's no different in terms of the structure. Jonesy would, would know that. I reckon we're pretty consistent with the way we review the games. In fact, the back end of all of our main reviews, we go straight on to the upcoming opposition to make sure we're incredibly level. But um, I think it's fair to say that this week was a little bit more uh, pointed towards towards uh, what is happening and the trend that's happening and that given that it happened again in terms of being in a reasonable position and letting that slip, that's not who we are and, and we need to address it. And it was a really good conversation. It was a very honest conversation, but I wouldn't say it was an emotional conversation. 
Richo, we've noticed a bit of a trend. Teams trying to switch a lot. How have you guys seen that playing against it? Has there been some adjustments made? Is that one area you're trying to tighten up, defending that, getting the game back, looking how Melbourne want it to look? Yeah, yeah. Um, often Jonesy uh, switching doesn't always correlate to entry, let alone score against this. You, if you switch, it goes a little bit slower, and it means that anything, as you know, off ball can, can get in behind and set up. And so um, there's, there's days when we're OK with opposition switching. There's times like last week when it's not OK, when it is that they're able to, you know, on their second play, perhaps get a handball receive and go back through the middle of the ground or go a little bit quicker. And that, you know, the dogs at Eddie had a bloody hard to stop when they can when they can get that going. I thought our last quarter, even though it was actually our worst quarter on the scoreboard, we're actually able to get the game back much more back into a contest, and that's um, that's our strength. We're a contest team. We've got terrific um, players and attributes to thrive in that situation, and that's um, that's what we're always looking to do. How do you see the forward line function at the minute? Obviously, missing Tommy Mack and uh, Ben Brown out with uh, with his knee management. How's that sort yeah. of shaping out? Do you see that as an issue at the minute? Uh, it's certainly a work in progress. Uh, the last month we've been the second most effective team inside 50 um, in, in terms of being able to put a scoreboard on per entry. So you'd have to suggest that part's working well. The, so the ball going in is working okay. The ball going out in terms of you know what Jared was talking about earlier, you know, we need to get better at. And, and so we, we're looking at that balance all the time. Uh, Tommy Mack, you know, we're, we're hopeful that he'll be back in the mix. I won't say that we're incredibly optimistic, although he is tracking the right way. Brownie is, um, you know, I think he's made a really smart decision there to give him a couple of weeks to to make sure that he's at his best, you know, for the last, for the last crack at it. So um, it, it still is a little bit of work in progress. And that's not unlike, as you know, Jonesy, last year we're still working out the mix in yep. terms of what that looked like. So it's not too different, really. Brennan Cox is a terrific interceptor, one of the best in the game if he's left unchecked. Tigers put uh, some work into him. Does um, do the Demons put some work into him? And I guess Melksham would get that job if uh, you did target him. Yeah, no, he certainly, you know, and that big blokes both forward of the ball and behind the ball killed us last time, Jared. So, that, yeah, that's been a big focus from an opposition perspective. And um, We think we can be pretty dangerous against any team, uh, but certainly against the Dockers as well, if we can get the ball to the ground. And, you know, Cox and Pierce and Co are, are very good at that. So, yeah, that'll be a... That'll be something that our forwards will rate their performance on. You can probably add Andy Brayshaw into that mix, Richo. And uh, do, you, do you go head-to-head and back the... Dees- Brayshaw v Brayshaw. Yeah, well, I like be, it. That'd be nice. I think Ang- we'll probably end up seeing Angus off half-back, though, if, uh, if, I've, if I've got a good read on that. But obviously, uh, Andy's years being unreal. Do you back... Uh, you know, the Dockers have got a, a nice little midfield mix, and obviously so are the Dees. But do you put some time into him, or do you just go head-to-head? Uh, no, initially we'll, um, you know, we'll go after our gun and um, pretty much away, but it may be that you see brother be, be brother in there at some stage. Oh, that'll um, be good. Given that, given, that, given that harms you won't play. So, yeah, there's, there's a slight change to the mix. You know, Hunty's come back in. We think he'll be a pretty good match-up down back, given Frederick gave us a little bit of grief last time. So, um, yeah, no, no, I, we, we think that he's a terrific player. His ability to be able to help them get the extra number to a contest because of his run and his smarts is, is really important to them. So, um, but we'll definitely go after, to answer your question, Jonesy, we'll definitely go after our game early. And if we need to, if we need to cool, then we'll do that. So just reading between the lines here, Rich, I just follow me with this one. 
big announcement. <laughs> Angus signs a six-year deal. Yeah, I was going to ask the same question. Um, Angus is very keen on playing in the midfield. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, you're telling us he's getting some midfield minutes. <laughs> this, the deal breaker. This yeah. must have been an interesting negotiation uh, late in the piece. Nah, come on. You've, you've, you've gone two plus two equals six there. That's, that's <laughs> not quite right. But Gussie will play wherever he wants. He's, you know, he's probably an All-Australian all calculation down back. But, yep. um, uh, no, he will play some midfield minutes tonight, absolutely. Okay. We, we just think that's the, that's best for the team. How uh, many, how many the, minutes the did, you, did you guarantee in the contract? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, he'll do whatever we want him to do. He's a good man. Has anything changed with Luke Jackson, Richo? No, nah, no, it hasn't. Um, no, he, um, he'll he wait till the end of the year, hello, and, um, you know, he'll, he'll sit down with his manager and his family. Obviously, those conversations have been happening all the way through. We'd love him to, to have already committed. That hasn't happened, but uh, we respect that he's a young bloke and he, needs, he just wants to get the game and his footy out of the way. We all hope that it's that it goes really late for him and, um, and, he, and he ends up signing and committing to us. But, um, you know, we're unsure. We're, we're really optimistic and hopeful. We know he loves his time here. He loves his teammates. His last couple of weeks have been his best footy, and we'll just have to wait and see on that one. Will he be playing more minutes in the ruck as first ruck? <laughs> <laughs> Incentivising? Uh, <laughs> I reckon he's going to nah, take nah, the opening bounce. That. I've just got a funny <laughs> feeling. Yeah, well, we'll wait and see, eh? Good on you, Richo. Good to have you with us. Thanks a lot. Good on you, boys. Alan Richardson, the GM of footy. Um, about, uh, Hope Max likes playing forward. Yeah. <laughs> so, was that the first time they'd said that, that Jackson will now wait till the end of the year? Uh, yeah. I, I think that's sort of mm. been an ongoing been conversation that's now been parked. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It was the way the question was asked, Jerry. Yeah, good question, Hutter. Well done. Yeah, so... Yeah, so these, I mean, Dusty did that. I mean, we all take the view that if you leave it to the end of the year, you're going. Yeah. But Dusty did that, and he stayed for a long time. Yeah. Every now and then, it comes back the other way. Yeah. But 85% of yeah. the time, that, that's it's the gone. cue to get out at the end. So Does Wiedemann go, if that's the case? I mean, if, if the weed... If, if, what do you mean? If Jacko stays? Or well, if, if the Wiedem, if um if Wiedemann he, isn't... He's got to go, doesn't he? Unless, unless he, he doesn't shows, nail his spot in the next six yeah, weeks. Yeah. Didn't he have the chance though last year? Like he my, did, and he rep, stayed. Yeah, but how much interest was there? That's. Like, I think there was some then. I, I, it's a good question for now, though. Well, yeah, he's, well. He's, been, he's now got exposed form at the moment, doesn't he? Which is not as good as what you thought it might have been. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's a you know, I, my read on it last year was I can't see him getting in unless there's an injury, mm. and he's not necessarily that second ruck option because they've got Luke Luke Jackson. Yep. And they've opted to go with the Brown McDonald combination. Now he's got his chance, obviously, on luck, but I mean, whether right. he holds Jack- his spot if, if one or two of those guys come back. Yeah, if Jackson goes, there's more reason to stay, broadly yep. speaking, isn't there? But if I'm a, another club, and even Melbourne, if Jackson goes, maybe they and he needs to reinvent himself as a forward ruck mm. because he's tall enough. Um, he can mobile enough. He's mobile enough, and maybe there's an opportunity for some club out there that's thinking outside the box and saying, "No, you're going to be our second ruck." Our luggage partner is Samsonite. Unpack the world with Samsonite. Visit samsonite.com.au. In the West tonight, it's the Dockers and the Demons. Our Coats Hire commentary team: Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy, and Nathan Jones. Coats, we're more than hire. We're equipped for anything.
You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. AFL Nation counting down to Fremantle and Melbourne. The two teams are unchanged. The subs have landed as Bailey Banfield and Cade Chandler for the Ds. Uh, the AFL record as you head to the footy, grab it at the news agents as well across the weekend. Two milestones, two huge milestones. At Richmond, Shane Edwards plays game 300 and at Geelong, Joel Selwood, game 350. So a chance to salute uh, two two champions of their footy club, and, and for Selwood, his legacy just continues to to grow, Jared. And it's a big legacy, isn't it? I mean, he came in as a baby and played premierships, and his win loss record for the first hundred games was, uh, you know, never repeated by anybody. It seems he he seems to have just kept on knocking off awards and kept in getting better and better and better. Universal acknowledgement and admiration, and. Um, he continues to go on next year from all reports. Uh, clearly, his focus is on getting to the finals and winning. Do you think he will if they win the flag? I know that's always a, I think he will. It's an often asked question. Yeah, I think he will. I, I think there'll be incentive to give it away, but he's a he's a professional footballer and he probably thinks, well, there might be another one next yeah, year. Yeah, that's true. He's, in the catalogue of numbers that came... Nathan, there was his best 50-game stretch in his career is 48-2. <laughs> it's absurd, isn't it? But it was his worst. His worst 50-game stretch is 29 wins, 21 losses. You're saying this to a Melbourne player. That's cool, Jared. That is torture. I, I think I have the worst win-loss win in history. <laughs> if not on top two or three. So rub it in, Jared. You're so insensitive. Um, oh, look, I, I, I agree with you, um, Jared. It's just... He, his his record is iconic, really, and um, he continues to grow. And that legacy, you know, who knows what it will be. But, um, you know, I've looked on with great admiration at the way he's handled himself, the way he leads. Um, you know, it's funny, mine and his relationship go a long way back. Um, I still remember racing each other for in, you know, junior Victorian athletics and cross-country races and stuff. And, Did you uh, have his measure? I think we were pretty even. Uh, might have been a couple his way, a couple of mine. But um, and yeah, well, I'd always been. You know, we were. I was drafted a little bit the year earlier than him, but always sort of been in and around. And uh, you know, we've kept in touch the whole way along. And um, yeah, it's just uh, we had some great battles on the field, and uh, and now I sit back in awe. Really, I think his form this year has been. You know, really solid, and obviously the position they're in, and uh, I guess how integral he is to their leadership and their culture. You know, um, yeah, what an, an amazing moment, and uh, you know, I think there's still a little bit of uh, or a few more chapters to be written for him. Chris Scott's not prone to over exaggeration, but uh, the rap he gave him today was mm. uh, testament to his greatness. I, I, I completely biased as a as a recognised for his captaincy and yet hasn't been the captain of a premiership team so it's only right that yet. he gets to hold the cup up this year <laughs> <laughs> Geelong's greatest I think he's probably their greatest contributor um I don't know so how do you define it I mean Gary Ablett senior to me will never be surpassed but he son did a fair job but he left yep. but Selwood in terms of all that he's given the club is 
hard to go past, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I've that exact same sentiment. Gary Ablett as a player is something totally removed, but for the overall contribution to a club and the success that he sparked and the the phase that he's led them through, I think I think history will judge him as as the greatest figure for the club. And someone paid Tom Atkins the very and it was a good comment. He, he's starting to play like Joel Selwood and he actually looks a bit like him at times in the way that he plays and it's like you thought no one could play like that but he's actually come up at a very nice yeah, time to I, help. I totally agree uh, watching him in the what was the third quarter last week where he almost put him on his back with his work around the contest it was that was the exact thing that came into my mind it was it, it, you could see that he's been under his tutelage and mm. almost been inspired by what his captain has done for so many years, and uh, and it was it's rubbed off in the way he's performing, particularly around the midfield. Has there been a better positional move than that one from half back flank into the middle this year that's uh, had a greater impact across every club? Question without notice. Yeah, it's a good. Uh, I think it's one of the best for sure. Yeah, like Cameron going up the ground just purely for July, and Cameron going up the ground, and 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 Atkins going into the middle has been significant. I think it just speaks to the quality of coach that Chris Scott is. I think underrated in in you know I guess in a in a bigger sense. I, I think you know we tend to value premiership success as the yeah. only uh, you know I guess marker of of uh, of a team success. Yeah. But the, the, how well they've performed year on year, reaching prelims, you know, consecutive final series games won. Well, he, he's a he's a Bloody good coach. I don't think there's any question about that. You, the people, the only people you have to convince is a few uh, cat supporters. No doubt, they seem to, <laughs> a, few, a few former players. Uh, they seem to be the uh, hardest ones to convince. Jeremy Finlayson, just to uh, throw one yeah, up, yeah. his move into the ruck, I think, has uh, been an extraordinary success. Um, probably need a little bit more time to uh, whip through a few, but uh, without question, Atkins's role in the middle is. Um, Probably top of the list. And what about a nod for Shane Edwards as he becomes just the fifth Tiger to 300 games? Yeah, I've, I've got great admiration for him. I think it's... Um, Did you beat him in cross countries as well? Uh, no, no. Um, no not, a, not, a, not the same connection, but certainly from afar and you know, obviously playing against him, he's, um, he's a special kind of player. He's just got uh, this uh, sort of innate skill and ability but then you know for a quite a slight frame he's super tough yeah. and hard and um such an important component of what they've done really isn't yeah, it yeah like a real sort of heart and soul but that I don't want to undersell the quality of player he is as well you know he's got an incredible skill set you know beautiful mover love the way he sort of runs and his agility and um you know he's, and it speaks to his quality in terms of you know the impact he's had in many different roles and um you know, it's a credit to him, really. You know, what an achievement. I think that it's a great sort of additional storyline that adds a little bit more to that game on the weekend, which is important for both clubs. Our old uh, sparring partner or commentator, Robert Walls, took a, a shine to a little Titch Edwards. Titch Edwards, From yeah. early on. He, uh, he's one of the – I mean, history will see him as one of the driving forces behind one of the great eras of football. And, um, I mean, he's, uh, he's well and truly uh, uh, admired by the footy world for what he's done. And before people start texting me, I reckon I want to throw up Paddy McCartan. Yes, the role from the 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 role for him going to full back. I know it's not within the same team, but uh, gee, that's been creative and effective. Jared Healy, our work with an eye. We might actually. 
pick his all-Australian brain just before the next meeting, probably when you're not allowed to talk about it anymore. We'll see what we're allowed to ask you. I'm only one vote, Jared. (laughs) Only one vote. Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel-efficient diesel, all-wheel drive models are now in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. This is Toyota Good for Footy Round. Toyota, that's good for footy. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. Slightly later start, given that it is over in the West this Friday night. So 25 minutes away from the opening siren, Fremantle and Melbourne. You're on AFL Nation with Jared Healy and Nathan Jones. Jared, what are we allowed to ask you about the All-Australian contemplations before you meet this week? Uh, well, given it's my uh, last year, I'm only on as a replacement for KB. I'm not sure there are any too many rules. <laughs> How? They can give me the sack if you like. <laughs> the ruck is not at all straightforward. No, I think you're right. I think the ruck's interesting. I mean, Max Gorn's reputation is rightly the best ruckman in the league. Uh, and he's had a darn good year. But there are others out there. I think tonight's contest is is a beauty because both of these fellows are in good form and in all-Australian form. Jared Witts is in, in, in terrific form. But tonight, when there's two guys that are probably in the last few that you're talking about, and there's a, you know, if it comes down to a vote, well, I reckon those who thought Darcy might be, well, he knocked Darcy, he, he, he smacked Gorney. Yeah. So there's a bit on the line, I reckon, in this particular one, head to head. Has any Ruckman had a, an outstanding season? Well, I reckon Darcy's had an outstanding season. Um, By historical standards? Well, last year he was best and fairest, so yep. he... Had a big year this year. So if you compare it to that, he's probably backed that up. So he's, you know, Max is off his best, but Max... He still had some very, Max is, very good I mean, games, some of yeah. Max's games have been unbelievable. Yeah. But, um, I mean, this is, like, Bailey Dale's interesting. Sometimes you get a lot of a public push because you go from, say, 5 out of 10 to 8 out of 10. And then the next year, and I think this is a Bailey Dale story, if you go from 8 out of 10 to 8.5 out of 10, you don't get talked about as much, but you've still had a fantastic season. I think Sinclair down at St Kilda is interesting. He's gone – well, he's only been pushed back there the last year and a half, and yet this year he's just been oh, – he's be, been phenomenal. He'd be leading their best and fairest by an absolute mile. Do you do one thing when you go when you, before you get the numbers? Do you say to Hoyne and his mates, can you take out the kick and play on stats, please? I, well, I suspect that would happen, yeah. Oh. That drives you mad too. Well, yeah, just people's it numbers get inflated. Numbers, yeah. But they're anyway, probably all playing in that same position. But – Geez, I, so it's a big field for the running half back. It is. Sard's another one. Well, Sard's Sard's year's been sensational. He has to be. And his last month's been unbelievable. Mm. So, but you know, there's probably five guys there. Brayshaw. Brayshaw. I mean, Brayshaw's going to may cost himself a spot in the All Australian side if, if he wants the midfield. Yes. <laughs> but there's who else is Doherty's been one of the great stories uh, of the season too. So I mean, it's it's never straightforward. And has any wingman played well enough to get a spot on the wing? What do you think? I mean, if you walked into that room knowing that the, the number one criteria is you have to have an All-Australian year to get in the All-Australian mm. side, what would you say to that? Well, at the moment, it's not 
it's not obvious, I don't mm. think, is it? See, I would have thought two years ago McCluggie should have been in as a wingman, and and philosophically, I'm absolutely um, attached to if there's an All Australian wingman, he should be in. Last year, I think Langdon should have been the All Australian wingman, but I think it'll be a more complex discussion this time around. Yeah, it's very hard to come up with one who's had mm. an All Australian year, mm. so because Langdon's tailed so badly. Mm. And <laughs> bit early for Max Holmes, Jared. <laughs> yes. And therefore you go to, okay, blokes like, you know, McCluggage, for instance, he's gone through the wing 20% of the time. Yeah. Walsh has gone through the wing 5% of the time. I mean, if, you, if you're not going to pick a wingman, then you're basically picking who's had an All-Australian year that, you know, goes through there to some degree. I think... I think that that would be the discussion. And you'd, you'd always pick a. I don't know there has, but you'd always pick a full forward, wouldn't you? You wouldn't put a midfielder in a, in a full forward. Is that a silly question? Yeah, it, it is. But so, but I guess the broad. You know, we've come to this thing of wanting to play players in their position, haven't yeah. they? So if, even if there hasn't been one that has been, like, if you're playing Mars, who who plays on the who plays on the wing, you just get your best next best midfielder. Well, I think if you're playing Mars, you're picking from all of Australia. And you'd be putting your best, most talented player there that can play on the wing, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, the State of Origin games are, are a testament to that. Um, I mean, you you could make the argument that a midfielder could be, play on the half-back flank better than a half-back flanker, but we've got, half, we've got five half-back flankers yeah, to, to yeah. choose from. Yeah. yeah. So, so Sam Walsh has been out of enough centre bounces yeah. to, to absolutely justify, if you want to put him on a wing... Mm. I, I can I can have that in a heartbeat. Yeah. He hasn't been the attendee at the centre. But he hasn't been, the, hasn't been on the wing. No, he has hasn't. He? But they have used him sort of almost in that diamond move around yeah. the centre square. Jonesy, you've played on the fair, the wing. You've played in the midfield. What would you be doing if you were selecting? <clears throat> I would like to see it specific to position yep. for sure. But I understand the intricacies of, of it not being that. Because the wing at the minute inside the footy club is is very much a team role mm. uh you know holding width and lanes from my, from my the i guess the from where i've come from it's certainly been around you know running certain patterns and holding width and opening the ground up there's a, there's a whole heap of you know team uh, attributes yep. that need to be delivered upon yep. rather than you know, what you see, the accumulation of numbers and impact that you see midfielders have, which obviously sort of clouds that discussion. How do you how do you distinguish between two wingmen that are doing a great job but not getting the ball? Uh, well, you don't publicly, uh, you know, within the media and, and I guess people watching, they yeah. don't because they don't understand the intricacies of yeah. how that actually works. And it's it's actually quite subtle, like – if I'm watching the vision from what you see on the TV, yep. uh, even at the game, you, you may not be seeing what they're doing to open up space or what they're doing to cover and and mm. uh, and sort of get in and help defensively offside. Um, but I guess internally, that's highly rewarded. Like last year, our wingers and and high forwards in particular often spoke about as far as you know the success of the you know the system functioning at its absolute yep. peak was off the back of guys willing enough to, to execute those roles. So let me delve a bit deeper. If Langdon had a, an 8 out of 10 year last year and he was should have been, in my view, in the All-Australian seat, what sort of year has he had this year? Because he hasn't. the numbers tell us he hasn't had as good a year, but you may be telling us he's doing things that we don't know. 
Yeah, well, again, it's sort of hard for me to see because I'm not digesting the game from, you know, behind the goals and and, uh, and the like. But I dare say, you know, his influence, he would still be having a significant impact on as far as how the system works just because I know how important the wingers and high forwards are. But he's not accumulating the numbers that we necessarily associate with yep. a really elite game. You know, I think last year he found himself hitting the scoreboard a lot more and and in particular on the far side at the MCG, he just ended up owning it. He plays 100% game time and and just ended up sort of racking up the share. And I think this year teams probably put more time yeah, well, into him. Yeah, well, since that game when he got tagged, I think yeah. he, he came back, he had like nine touches. That t- Came back the next week and had 40-something. And then after that, it's just kind of been mm. Yeah, so middling. teams are putting a lot more time into him. So maybe from an offensive perspective, he may not be influencing the game like we saw last year. But as far as this team system functioning, if he's still sort of achieving the patterns that need to be done, uh, you know, as far as running and opening the ground offensively and running, you know, really hard to cover defensively, internally he'd still be rewarded for for executing and playing his role for the system. Is it coincidental, or is can we marry the two? Melbourne's form has dropped off since he's been tagged. I think there's a there's a certain link to it for yep. sure. I think. Um, he, he was really vital, particularly from an uh, offensive transition. You know, when they win the footy back, his ability to be able to run and create space and obviously, you know, create a bit of a leg rope off his opponent, he ends up being that outlet where, you know, you find a mark in those pressure situations, genuinely finding the outlet on the wing. Yep. You alleviate the, the pressure that's building from the offense, uh, from the defensive side. So for sure, you put some time into him and you close down those options. You know, uh, I guess you're creating more pressure so Melbourne have to find another one, another option. The midfield is always difficult because there's so many superstars and there's there's people that are superstars that get it 35 times and there's then there's the Bont. Yeah. And the, the Bont is a 25-a-game player. Last two weeks he's had 30s, but they're rarities for him. But he's, he's impact players and the Bont is one of the most unbelievable impact players that I've ever seen. And I think... Bont's going to challenge people this year because I think I think notionally people have seen the Bont as maybe not having his best year, but um, he hasn't though, has he? Uh, well, he hasn't numbers wise, but impact wise, like you look at the possessions and what he's done with those possessions. He certainly had some really good games and a couple lately, which. Mm. But in his, he looked like an injured player to me. But you're right. Then, so are you measuring against his best or against what other people mm. are doing? And Mark Blitzarms. Well, Mark Blitzers has had a season that, uh, in my view, is All-Australian level. So the question is, like the other 35 people or 30 people that have had an All-Australian level is, I mean, there's 10 people in that room. Does he get in the side? Well, that's up. That's why there's a vote and there's why there's debate. But, gee, Mark Blitzers, I think, uh, deserves to be honoured as an All-Australian and, um, and hopefully at some stage he is. Jared Healy, who will uh, sit in that meeting next week. That's after round 20, and then you have one more dash at it, don't you? Right There's another the one in two weeks' time, I think. Yes, yes. All right, so the pointy end of contemplations for the All-Australian side. We're gearing up for tonight's footy in the West. It's uh, the Fremantle Dockers and Melbourne about to do battle. So one of these critical matches, second against fifth, with fortunes very much on the line and many a judgment to be made. Umpires are on their way to the middle. We'll have the game preview shortly. Jared Healy and Nathan Jones. Toyota, good for footy round. Toyota, that's good for footy.
You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in-store now. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.